another episode of Rude Cast Archery with your host, Rudy. How's it going, everybody? It's Rudy here with Rude Cast. Hope you're all doing really well and having a productive archery season. I, uh, I want to thank everybody for your uh, continued support. I still get lots of uh, messages and questions from everybody asking me when I'm going to start podcasting again. Um, I just decided to take a little bit of break for a while. Uh, you know, everything been super busy this season. Um, you know, the, uh, archery business has been really booming and, um, between practice and, you know, working, answering questions on social media, uh, doing like virtual coaching sessions and things like that. It's been, um, I don't really have a whole lot of time to dedicate to, um, sitting down and, uh, creating podcasts recently. So, but, um, hopefully that's all going to change here pretty soon. Um, I'm going to be, uh, cutting back on some of my other activities and hobbies. So hopefully, um, I'll have some, some cool guest lines up for you and I have some, some, uh, some topics that we'll talk about that, um, help you guys get better. Uh, I seem to get a lot of questions from people that want, you guys want technical information. It's always like the technical stuff. It seems like everybody really loves the, you know, the, the technical podcast, which is funny. Cause I, th- I always find like, that's, uh, like the most like, interesting but also like the most boring because like I myself like all the technical stuff and when someone else uh who's like a much higher level archer than myself starts talking about tuning and stuff and then I'm like ooh, they're gonna see what they're doing and then they start telling me what they're doing and it's like well yeah like okay yeah I already do that like like there's that old saying you know there's more than one way to skin a cat um in archery, it's like, I don't think that applies. <laughs> there's like, there's only like a handful of ways of doing things. Um, and then, you know, it seems like it, there's, um, everyone wants that technical info. Everybody wants to know like what the, you know, what the next little secret is to tuning your boat. What's the next little thing that I can do? Um, to make me better and you know I think the bow is like the easiest one to go to but at the end of the day like um it's not it's pretty simple but still people want to hear about it so we'll talk about it um I think at the end of the day uh this game is like 90% mental uh and then everything else um, comes with it um, I'm going to be interviewing Heather Gore today, um, here in a few minutes, I'm going to give her a call and then we're going to, we're going to do a little recap of, uh, field nationals, um, that just was held in Mechanicsburg, uh, Pennsylvania this last weekend. Um, there was some pretty incredible shooting going on there, uh, not by myself, but by others. Um, I myself did not do so great. Um, so we just won't talk about it. Um, it happens, <laughs> but, um, anyways, the, uh, other thing I kind of wanted to kind of talk about a little bit before, um, we call Heather, um, is something that, you know, when I first found out about it, um, has been really kind of bothering me. Um, and, you know, I try not to let things bother me, but sometimes I feel like, um, you know, you think you think the sport and people within um you know our industry have a certain degree of moral fiber you th- you know I'd like you know I'd like to think that you know we're different than every other sport but sometimes you know things happen that uh you know kind of let you down um and one of one of those things um was uh world archery announcing that um Sandilla I don't even know if that's how you say it, but, um, so archery, 
um, company out of China who basically um, they manufacture bows and um, all kinds of different archery products. Um, and if you kind of go through their catalog, they've essentially just like ripped off like every manufacturer. Like there's nothing about their catalog and, and any of the, the um, things that they're producing that is unique. Um, you know, say what you will about, you know, new bow companies here in the U S and different countries that are coming out with new bows. And they're like, well, that just looks like a Martin camera. That just looks like a Hoyt cam. Um, all these companies throughout the world, um, here in the U S there's going to be some overlap, like where you might infringe on another company's intellectual property. However, um, usually there's a, an exchange of money or payment. I mean, you know I mean? There's only so many ways you can make a cam, you know, system. You got solo cams, cam and a half, binary cams, you know, dual cams, like wh whatever. Like there's only so many ways that you can do that. Um, and so sometimes, you know, companies will make things that kind of, um, kind of look like another company, but they're really not. Like you could tell, like there was some original thought that went into this with the Sandilla products, these are, this is not the case. Like most of these bows are literally look like, and are obviously trying to make it look like another bow or, you know, another company's product. Um, you know, the one, and if you don't believe me, like in like all of their recurves that they make, essentially are just ripping off like Hoyt risers. Um, and also, um, some of the other Italian companies risers and, um, it's, it's not, they're not just ripping off, uh, American companies. They're, you know, it's a, this is a world is a world sport. You know, you have Biter, Shibuya, uh, and other, um, win and win and other companies that they've just like blatantly copied their products. And, um, it's kind of disturbing because, in this, in the, in this, in this game, um, you know, the, at least here in the United States, um, the, all of these companies do have to pay, uh, an excise tax of, uh, the sum of 11, of right around 11%. Um, and, um, um, there was a conservation act that was passed by, or that was, um, you know, passed by Congress many years ago, many, many, many years ago. Um, and it was, in, you know, something that the actual, uh, sportsmen wanted. Um, they wanted, they wanted this excise tax on all the sale of firearms, um, archery equipment or any, any kind of hunting gear that's sold in the United States. Um, they wanted this tax so it could go towards conservation. Um, uh, um, and not, not to get, not to segue into another conversation, but, the, um, there's currently, um, people within, uh, Washington DC that are trying to, undo that act um because they know if they un, um, repel that law uh we won't be able to as us out sportsmen's uh outdoor sportsmen be able to do what we want to do um but i mean that's another topic of conversation but you know back to um my point here with um these uh companies that are um copying intellectual property you have you have um these companies that are, you know, that 11% that they have to pay in taxes, I mean, that, that goes right to the, the dealer. And then that go also goes right to the consumer. Um, I don't know for sure if that, if those products, if they're being sold in the U S um, they have to pay that excise tax. I don't know for sure, but I imagine they've probably figured out a way not to pay that. I don't, I don't even know how you can enforce that. Um, but, um, essentially they've copied, um, other companies product. Um, and now they're the title sponsor of world archery. Um, and I think like that was a real like shitty move by world archery to do that. Like, 
I've seen Tom Dillon be on the Easton podcast like a dozen times and talk about how like Easton and uh, has been, you know, Easton and other companies uh, like Hoyt and AAE uh, in the long term. There's a lot of companies that support world archery, but like, let's just be real here. Like Easton has been the, the one company for over, you know, for decades that has made this sport possible. Uh, he's been on their podcast and then, you know, talk about contributions to archery and, and whatnot. And then they go and like accept money from a company that's directly like copying their product. Um, and I've seen some of these products cause they, they come into the store from time to time and man, talk about garbage. I mean, this is complete. I mean, it, I can't imagine anyone shooting it and being like, oh yeah, like this is just as good as the real thing. I mean, this isn't like, this isn't like uh, Safeway brand macaroni versus Kraft macaroni and cheese here. This is like blatant, like just complete garbage. Um, and people buy it, you know, and, and you see it. And it's really upsetting um, that World Archery would do that. And I know what World Archery is going to say. We're a world sport and we don't want to discriminate against any other, you know, we want to be fair and blah, 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 blah. It's not fair. I mean, let's be real here. The, the practices that this company has, uh, you know, by, by, by blatantly copying or obtaining prints from uh, these companies, this is, not, this is not fair. What they've done is they've, they've made a lot of money by exploiting workers. Because I can't imagine that, you know, like they're just like most of the other like Chinese products that are made, um, you know. I can't imagine that these people are, you know, essentially like making an honest living. Um, and so, um, I don't want to get into like an anti, this is not an anti-China thing or anything like that, but let's just be real. There's a lot of human rights violations in that country. Um, and, um, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. And, and as a world sport, you, you know, you think that, uh, they would, you know, take all that into consideration. Maybe they did, you know, maybe they didn't. Um, at the end of the day, I think it comes down to money and I think they chose money. I made a post on Facebook and, um, you know, I said, are, is this going to be like, you know, are they, I basically compared them to like USA gymnastics and some of the other sports. Um, and I got a message from someone who was like, that was really, you know, them picking a title sponsor is nothing like USA gymnastics and like what happened with the, um, you know, the, um, you know, sexual abuse scandal that happened with, uh, um, with, um, USA gymnastics, um, a few years ago. Um, and, and they're right. Like they're, it's not the same thing. Like, you know, the abuse of athletes versus like, uh, you know, an organization picking a sponsor that, uh, you know, you know, doesn't play, uh, by our rules, um, are different, but what is, but the reason I lay that out there to begin with is that I thought world archery was different and it's obviously about money. And so it starts there. Like it's how it starts. It's not, it's not like, uh, you know, once a, once an organization starts choosing money over the right thing to do, um, then, you know, what's next, you know, does the sport grow? And then, and then, you know, we end up with other scandals where we start doing things that aren't right, like not protecting our athletes. Um, and then allowing, you know, things like, um, what had happened in other sports happened in ours. And that's what I was getting at. Like, like, you know, there, it, it didn't, it didn't start with, it didn't start with, you know, a guy who was doing terrible things to, uh, unmentionable things to their, to the athletes, um, you know, and, and abuse, but it started with the money that was going into that sport, you know, and then protecting that money. And then that's what, that's where things start to go south. So, but anyways, I want to, um, open this up for discussion for everybody. Um, you know, if you guys agree with me or disagree with me, go ahead and send me a message on Instagram. Um, or tag me in a post. If you're going to make a post, tell me I'm an idiot or tell me I'm not. Um, 
I I have I'm I'm seriously in a, in a gray in the middle area right now. I am I am uh, contemplating um, not having anything to do with USA Archery at all, which I know might be a bit of extreme um, because there's a lot of uh, friends of mine and people who are within who you know work for USA Archery and also compete in USA Archery make a living um, and have made a name for themselves in that world sport. Um, but, you know, and then this is not a USA archery problem, but they're under the world archery umbrella. So like, you know, you know, I've actually contemplated like not even renewing my certifications or anything like that, which really don't at this point in my career, don't really do much for me other than like, if someone is brand new and they're just going on the website and being like, Oh, there's no, this level, this person has a higher certification. This person, that means he must know more, which is like complete garbage. It's not even true. Um, but um, I've actually contemplated that. So I haven't made a decision yet. So I'll let, I'll let you guys kind of like fill me in and tell me if, if you think I'm being an idiot or something. But um, anyways, um, go, go check it out. Go to uh, the World Archery website check out um check out you know all that information and you know do dig in a little bit don't just take my word for it look look to see you know what you find and you know do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing um i'm gonna say for from my perspective it's a bad thing um what blows my mind is that there's actual dealers in the u.s that are actually selling this product too and i'm like (laughs) but anyways (laughs) um I'm going to, I'm going to let it go. Um, so what I'm going to do here now is I'm going to go ahead and call Heather here. So, uh, if you give me a second here, I'm going to hear a little phone call and, uh, we'll go ahead and, uh, go from the negative to the positive here. And we wait. Hello. Hey, Heather. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Um, I am live here. Um, we oh. just I was just uh, rambling about a few things here. Nice. How are you doing it's this week? A good lo- thing to do on Saturday morning. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I did choose to um, do the interview with you this morning instead of going to the gym. So. What? I'll go later. Good. I tried to get up early and go for a run, but it was dark, so I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. My muscles are sore. I'm, I'm I'm hurting right now. I'm like sitting, I'm sitting here right now on the couch um, recording this with you, and I have like one of those little massage guns, and I'm like, I want to use it right now, but I imagine that would probably sound terrible on a recording. <laughs> People would be like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> well, at least, at least you're not a girl. It would probably be worse if you were a female. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man so uh how how do you feel right now after the um, that long weekend of uh shooting i feel pretty good now yeah. um i definitely probably haven't been shooting as much as i should since then but kind of switched gears and uh came back and did a little limb swap on one of the bows and uh i've just been shooting my 3d setup to get ready for italy nice but I've noticed with the bigger arrows, I don't shoot quite as many arrows because I start destroying them. Yeah. So uh, when like when is it, Italy? Practicing ranging. Um, I leave for Italy on September first. Oh, nice. Are yeah. are there any other events you're going to do here in the U.S. before you go to Italy? Um, I would like to make it down to Pacifica. Just I love that shoot. Um, it's such a cool range, and it's a, a chance to get out of the heat. But depending on work, I, I marked it off, so I'm hoping to be down there. But did you re- you pre-registered already? I did not pre-register yet, but that might be a problem. You that. might have to get a hold of them because I heard the registration is closed. Oh, those jerks! I know, 500 people. <laughs> um, Heather is referring to the 1 million BC shoot that's held um, by the San Francisco Archers in Pacifica, California. It's a great event. It is a really, really cool course. Um, especially in August where it's about a hundred degrees everywhere else in California and you go down to the bay and you're wearing a hoodie, jacket, pants the entire weekend. 
pretty nice. Yeah, you're actually you're actually using your little your Mr. Buddy in your uh, tent. So I know we were going to talk about like field nationals and stuff, but like how about mm-hmm. how about you tell us more about like your trip that's coming up here for Italy and like how how you got on that team and like what what that what it, what it is exactly for everybody. All right. Well, um, it's the World 3D Championships, uh, World Archery. So I made, I went to London, Kentucky back at the very end of May. And um, at the ASA there in London, they did a, a team trials before the ASA, uh, two days of shooting. And then the top three people in each division ended up making the team. And uh, I went out there, and I hadn't judged in probably about three years, so it was kind of a it was a learning experience all over again. But shot well enough, judged well enough to make the team, and then I've just been putting in a little bit of work since then. But let's see. Who, who all's on the team? Um, oof, there's a lot of people because it's it's all it's all divisions. Of USA Archery. How about just on your, like, on your category? Just the, the, the yeah. female, the, the adult female, uh, or senior female. It's Grayson Chambers, Leah Jarrett, and myself. Um, you know, Grayson shoots, she does everything. She's at pretty much all the ASAs, the USATs, NFAA stuff. She's trying to get pretty well-versed in archery. And then I believe Leah, I'd only met her the one time, but she's more of an ASA shooter. Yeah. Um, and then me. Nice. So this is going to be, um, you mentioned that uh, Judge of Jardins, this is an unmarked uh, event. Yes, it's all unmarked, 3D. It's scored like a IBO, so it's kind of the center. It goes 11, 10, 8, 5, uh-huh. I believe is the scoring. Yeah. So there's uh, no 14s in that. In, uh... No 14s, no, it's just the center 11. Um, which is, I think is a lot nicer, especially not being as just being able to Abe center mm-hmm. is a little bit more comfortable for me. But if the difference between like IBO or even ASA out here is it, you do shoot two arrows per target. So you do have that chance to, if you make a real good shot and you happen to miss, you have a chance to make up for it on the next arrow. If you can figure out, you know, the distance in your miss. Um, oh, that's interesting. and yeah. Uh, but it is World Archery rules, so there's no electronics. So a thing with a lot of 3D shooters is uh, being able to see the target and be able to see the ring. So a lot of high power, uh, which requires you to have a sight light just so you can see your pin. Well, mm-hmm. we don't get that option. So we have to kind of figure out something else that works where you can see the animal, the kill rings, and also still be able to see your dot. So that's kind of a challenge sometimes. Because I know a lot of you guys like the blue dot, right? Or the blue fiber. Yeah. A lot of shooters. I've, yeah, I know Paige shoots a blue. Um, I think probably a lot of other people do too. I wish I could shoot the blue. I just haven't. I don't see it well enough. Yeah. Well, um, well yeah, since you're shooting. But... And without a, and like, it's almost impossible to see unless you have a light. So exactly. I imagine like if you've been used to shooting blue and that's your preferred color, then you got to pick another one. That could be a bit challenging. Yeah. So what I've been, my setup I ended up going with is uh, an Excel housing to where they, they've got a little shade that I can twist over the fiber optic uh-huh. to make it brighter, dimmer. And it's a, it's a 41. So I've got a lot of visuals. So I can see the entire target. I'm running a, a five power lens with a 0.19 green fiber. Okay. And so far that's been pretty good. There's a little, it gets a little starbursted here and there, but at least I can see it. <laughs> Are you, um, and so the, this competition, is it going to, how many days is it? Um, there's an official practice day, two days of qualification, team rounds and semifinals. And then the finals, I believe. So six days of actual, of the tournament itself. And then you got your travel days around it so oh wow that's cool that's gonna that's gonna be a a long trip (laughs) yeah i'm leaving on the first and uh, coming back the 12th i accidentally read the 
the schedule a little bit wrong and booked my flight, so I get to spend an extra day in Rome, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, when in Rome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Apparently, you have to watch out for the gypsies who try to steal all your belongings. Oh yeah, I, I, I could. I could, I, could <laughs> I just, I just thought of something really bad. I need to stop. <laughs> oh, but uh, okay, so. I mean, like, that's quite a commitment, you know, and I think, like, which is interesting because time-wise, um, I imagine that, like, you're probably having to travel, like, on your own dime on this one, right? Yeah, it's um, both the field and the 3D World Championships. They're 100% self-funded. Um, Lancaster Archery actually donated some money to everybody that made the team. Oh, that's they, nice. They took that right off the top of everyone's entry fee, which is really cool. I've, I've never seen them do that, so thank you, Lancaster. Um, but other than that, it's it's fully self-funded. The good news about that is we don't have to stay in all the host hotels that World Archer provides. Um, so you can kind of try to make it a little less expensive if you find, like, an Airbnb or you, mm-hmm. you, know, you travel with other people. But overall, I mean, it's going to be probably a $2,500 to $3,000 trip just between lodging, food, time off work, all the things. But it's kind of one of those opportunities you don't want to miss out on. Right. I, uh, before, uh, before I had you on, I was doing a pre-recording. I was kind of talking about world art. I was kind of talking some mad shit about world archery and, uh, the whole, uh, like Sandilla thing, you know, the Chinese Mm -hmm. boat company thing. Um, yep. and, uh, I, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I, I, I just, it kind of bothers me that like, they don't like throw in some money, you know, oh, to, to help, the athletes to help out. just to help the athletes out. They're going to go represent, um, you know, the organizations and stuff. So, but I don't know, maybe Sandilla will pay for it, you know, maybe, maybe they will. I just watched a pretty funny video that, uh, Elliot, did. Yeah, I, I saw that. Saw yeah, I saw <laughs> it. Yeah, I saw it. But uh, um, but like kudos for Lancaster for doing that. That's really great. Like um, like over the years, like there's been a lot of companies that step up to help out. I know like Hoyt and Easton have been probably the, where I would say Easton probably has been like the biggest over the years, like mm-hmm. like historically. And I know a lot of other companies contribute, but I kind of say like Easton's kind of like the I'm gonna say the the like the main like contributor you know for decades and decades yeah like, they've supported the sport for a long yeah. time and then in uh, the growth so. yeah well cool so um well good luck over there i'm sure i'll talk to you before you go um yeah thank you yeah so the little recap on the weekend um you know uh we both i got to travel with heather um to um, indoor, um, sorry, I said indoor, uh, outdoor field nationals. And, um, that was, uh, it was a, that was a fun trip. Um, it was uh, pretty awesome to witness the stellar shooting that happened in the men's pro. Yep. That was a, it was an awesome trip. Rudy made a pretty good travel buddy. I think oh, I taught him a lot about traveling. Yeah. I thought, I thought <laughs> I was a pro. Like I thought I knew everything and I was like, I, I thought I handled this, but like, I think Heather, like, like next level uh, <laughs> she's got all the tricks all the all the tricks she's gonna write a book about it uh, <laughs> or maybe a pamphlet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how to uh, you need archery 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 traveling um but um yeah so i thought it was awesome watching like just some of the stellar shooting that happened in the men's pro um and then you guys also shot like freaking awesome uh, thank you how, why don't why don't you tell us like kind of like how you prepared and what what you learned uh, um, for this well, event to prepare for it i just i knew i was kind of behind i mean it's been kind of a year of feeling behind after a big crash i'm still kind of in recovery mode i'm almost back to where i was before but i just haven't due to some of the repercussions of the injury, I haven't been able to get the volume of arrows in every day that I, I normally would or would like to. Mm-hmm. So I get pretty fatigued. And um, so... When you when you shoot a lot of arrows, do, are you getting like just soreness in your arm? 
I get sore shoulders, but um, my shoulder it, it cramps up. It like will lock up, and uh, and Paige at one point on the range, it locks up so bad where I can't I can't move my arm until I have someone else or if I can pull it straight and make the muscle relax. And when you're if you got a finger sling on, I can't get rid of my bow because it's stuck. But my right hand is completely locked up, so it, it creates a challenge. Um, and it usually it happens after any more probably after a hundred or so arrows or draws or whatever you want to call it. But it started doing it after probably 20 targets on the first day. So I knew it was going to be a long weekend, but the first, like the last two weeks or three weeks before the tournament, I was going out to Nevada city every day and just walking the hunt around and the field around trying to get as many arrows as I needed to in a day, which helped out immensely just shooting the actual targets I was going for focusing on X counts in the pro division X is a six. So that is a huge difference. Um, aim in middle versus just trying to catch a dot. Yeah. Um, I know you found that out this weekend too. Yeah, that was, I mean, like, it's funny cause like we know that, but it's like, like, I don't, I don't feel like I trained for that. You know, it was like, we don't really shoot. We haven't really shot a lot of field. I mean, we're so dot oriented here in the, you know, we're like so hit or miss or in mm-hmm. all of our shooting um, that we do here. Um, yeah, like the safari style, like the edge of the dot scores the same as the middle of the dot. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is still a challenge. I mean, like no one's cleaned redding yet. I mean, like that's, we're just waiting for that to happen, you yeah. know? Um, but, uh, and I would, I would argue that probably like, I would say even though there wasn't like a me like a bunch of hills um, or like any like really long shots past 80 because it's a field round like I would say that like this is probably more challenging than Reading because of the volume of arrows we're shooting and um, you know the con- the heat conditions and humidity um, like I'm surpri- like I'm surprised like one of those two kids didn't like clean Reading. <laughs> I know it's really interesting. Um, I agree. I to me, this is more challenging in ways. Um, it's just the volume of arrows. I mean, each each target's four arrows, and it's like that thought sometimes of like, well, I've done it three times. Why do I have to do it again? I'm tired. <laughs> right. Um, and then, uh, as you knew, it was extremely hot. It was the mid 90s with 70 to 78 percent humidity each day, and that wears you out. You got to plan your food and water and stuff pretty good to stay yeah stay focused um i think the difference though with reading versus field and what can catch people off guard a little bit is uh especially this course there wasn't a lot of wind i mean it's pretty heavily wooded so that's not an issue reading you do get some wind and i mean we moved so fast generally i mean we didn't hardly have a chance to sit down and eat there was not a lot of backups um, except the girls' groups, we were a little slow sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but Reading, I mean, you'll be sitting for 30 minutes to 45 minutes waiting just to shoot two arrows after shooting only two arrows. So I think mm-hmm. that downtime is detrimental to some people. You know, you just kind of lose focus. You get cold. It's, I would say that's yeah. a big difference. The other, on the on the flip side, though, too, like if you're moving too fast then you can also like you know get into a mode of like rushing and trying to fin it like like uh i like i I, the the little bit of vibe i had in in my on my second day was uh i felt like maybe we were trying to move a little bit too fast yeah and then i was like hold on a second we need to slow down like there's like nobody in front of us for like 10 targets and there wasn't anybody behind us for like five targets um and like um yeah just i guess it wasn't really necessary yeah i agree sometimes you can get depending on i mean your other people around you shoot a little faster than you and you can get outside of your normal pace and that can definitely throw some things off where you Mm -hmm. feel rushed because you feel like you're holding somebody up and you get you just get out of your own rhythm Uh, i know i felt that on day two as well we started getting a couple of people behind us and felt pressured. And that's when I hit a wall. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, um, I guess, uh, I mean, 
obviously we don't want to be out out there all day. Um, you know, we don't want to be out there till four o'clock shooting. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like we like spend all this money to go out yep. there and try to, you know, to compete. And it's not cheap. I mean, between hotel, rental, car, and air, you know, an airfare. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like. I mean, it's it's like probably close to like a little bit over. I mean, over a thousand under two. You know, thousand yeah, dollars, <laughs> and uh, you know. To go out there and then rush because you want to go sit in the hotel room in air conditioning seems kind of like a waste of the experience, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm thinking like, you know, you know, let's, let's just, you know, enjoy the experience. Um, A little bit different. Like I know like sometimes in like when we're shooting safari, um, you know, when we have to drive home for two hours, yeah, we might kind of want to be like, yeah, these people are just taking way too long or, you know, you know and then you're like, yeah, cause I got to, you know, do some traffic. But I think when you're at like a national event like that, like I think, I think, yeah, it should just take a, however long it takes to get the job done. Yeah. And if the other people in your group want to move faster and you want to slow down um, at a national event, as long as you're following the rules and, you're you're not taking more than three letdowns, then I would say fuck them. <laughs> yeah, and there, I mean, there were times that um, on the first day. I mean, I know the the first the women's group in front of our group, and they got talked to and they got pulled aside and had people shoot through for that reason. But they didn't. I mean, they didn't say you have to hurry up. It was like, well, they kind of did, but you know, people just shot through them. And for whatever reason, there was some equipment issues. I know on that target. Um, yeah. But, it, but if it's interfering with the event and the flow of the entire tournament, I understand that. Um, yeah, exactly. But like over, over on the, on the, the targets where the guys had started, like, like I said, there was like nobody in front of us and no one behind us. Like yeah. we didn't see another person except for like in the areas where like, you know, the two courses kind of come close to each other, you know, and you can see the people shooting the other course. Yeah. But like, um, I guess in that, in that case, you just have to shoot your own game. And like, if you're slow, you're slow. And you can tell the people like, sorry, dude, I'm taking my letdown. And as long as you're not holding everybody up, if you're letting down three times on every arrow, that might be the one that sucks for you in general. Yeah. You're not having a good day. I I let down more at this event than I ever had ever, you know, (laughs) <laughs> I was like, yeah, though, you know, and what I'm going to say, like most of it was those stupid bugs. <laughs> yeah. I was told, I was told to like, watch out for mosquitoes. Like I was expecting mosquitoes and stuff. I didn't see a single mosquito. There's like, mm-hmm. was that, there's like some insect that like recently little gnats and things. Oh, the, um, what do they call them? Fire beetles or something? Yeah. The, fire beetles. Yeah. There was like this new, this insect that recently somehow got introduced to, um, that ecosystem there that's invasive and like, it's completely like taking over like Pennsylvania. They look like ladybugs. Yeah. Mixed between starship troopers and ladybugs. You know, that's right. Like they look like, <laughs> they look like one of those, starship trooper animal things but they're like yeah. black with white spots yeah, or, a, or red red white spots yeah they were they just were crazy but they don't bite and they weren't like poisonous or anything they were just like extremely annoying um mm-hmm. but yeah so as far as like um like uh equipment wise like is there or just in general like is there anything that you would want to do differently um for the for next year um after experiencing this event like um um i don't know i mean my equipment i was pretty happy with i think i had just the extreme heat and humidity i had a little bit of string stretch um midway through the second day and i think that's what made it go a little bit slower for me also uh-huh. but did a quick little draw length adjustment in the parking lot before the animal round that went better but as far as my equipment i might play with a blue light just because there were, were some targets i'd get a little starburst on with the green fiber mm-hmm. but again i could always see it i never had an issue where i couldn't see um i might end up trying 
an eight power at some point. Right now I'm running a seven because I can still hold that steady enough where I don't feel like I'm giving myself a seizure. But I also didn't have any issues with possibly shooting the wrong target. I knew exactly which one I was on all the time. I know there was some some other issues throughout the weekend where just, you know, top shooters make dumb mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a problem with shooting higher powers. It's, you get a little confused. It's really easy. So Yeah, I can have you know, it. I'm not real sure I would change a whole lot other than maybe try the blue. Um, but mostly I just need to work on stamina and just kind of get my body back to normal. But I will say, Rudy had, you had such a good idea about getting up in the morning and getting my like, blood flowing. So, so everybody knows I run a couple times a week, but I don't do it before seven usually. And, uh, Rudy, Rudy told me the first day, he's like, I'm going to get up at like 4 a.m. and go down to the gym and get my blood pumping. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Well, now I have to go. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, like, <laughs> I I was earlier in the recording, I was, like, telling people, like, well, like, let's see, right before Reading, I started going, I signed up for a gym membership, and I've been going to the gym, um, I'm going to say, not as regularly as I should have, because um, when I work out, it really hurts, because I'm really, in really, really bad shape, and... Um, it it actually really messes with my hold. <laughs> um, like I have a really hard time like aiming. So even though though I was like getting stronger, like just my I have a harder time kind of keeping steadier when like your muscles yeah. are fatigued. So like even if I'm not sore, they're just a little fatigued. So like before like all these events that I've been going to, I like would not work out for like a week. Um, to a week and a half at, at a time. And I realized that was a mistake that I should have at least been going and doing cardio. So before, before, uh, uh, field nationals, I, I was getting in the habit of going and riding the bike and doing the treadmill. And so I didn't want to like, br- I didn't want to break that habit when I was traveling. So, and thankfully the place that we stayed at had a gym. So that was nice. It was a good yeah. idea. I think, I think, I'm going to try to incorporate that into other tournaments as well, just because I was awake. By the time I got to the range, it didn't feel like that first drawback on the practice range hurt. It was like, I'm ready. Like I've been awake for a few hours. It was great. And I didn't have to drink as much coffee either. Like it was like, you just, your blood's moving, you know, it's like, yeah, it was good. Like I didn't exactly that with you. I go to, we went to the, the first shot at the range was, was a good shot. So. Yeah, and it wasn't anything crazy, like 20 minutes in the gym and no no weights. Don't do that. That's a terrible mm-hmm. idea. Um, but just a little treadmill or bike, and it was awesome. So I, I thank you for that. That was I think that was hugely beneficial for me. Accountability, because, like, there was, like, there was like two two days there where I was, like, ready to be, like, yeah, fuck this. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I got like, damn it, if Rudy's doing it, I got to do it. And then I saw the light come <laughs> on in your room, and I was like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, no, it was good. <laughs> Um, awesome. So I think like, uh, I mean, I learned a ton from this, um, trip, like just talking, what was kind of cool is like, there wasn't like a ton of people there. Well, that, I'm not going to say that's cool. That's not, that was the wrong phrase. There, there wasn't a lot of people there as much as like, let's say at Reading or, um, at, at an ASA. Um, but there were the people that were there were like, I'm going to say, like the uh, some some of the heaviest hitters that are in our sport right now. Yeah, uh, and like, in, a, in a small in a small yeah. So that I uh, mean, like setting. So yeah, I was like, uh, like we were around the titans of our sport, you know, and yeah. and it, in a small environment where there's not like a whole bunch of people, you know. So it was uh, for me, it was cool to kind of talk to everybody and get to know everybody a little bit better, because um, then like. Like Paige was like, you need to be shooting a higher power. Like you're, you're not, you're just trying to hit the spot. She's like, you're playing the wrong game. You need to be mm-hmm. going for that X. And so, like, so for me, when I'm, you got to shoot with Kyle Douglas on your first day, so that yeah. had been pretty cool. Yeah, Kyle and Tyler Heritage. Um, mm-hmm. Those like, it was it was the first day. It was great. Like the that first day, those uh, Kyle was a really cool dude. We talked talked elk hunting and stuff, and then. Um, Tyler, he's one of, um, that kid is a good shooter. 
uh, and and also like just all around like like awesome human being like you don't a lot of times like kids that are really good in that age like sometimes they can be like really cocky mm-hmm. and I'm, and like this kid was just so like pleasant to be around and I was like man like 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 this is like I get excited when like I see like young people that are so driven like the kids like gonna do great things I think um you know his engineering school and just cool to see like kids with their head on straight you know yeah um, I mean, it's, super it's respectful. hard to find those these days yeah <laughs> he's one of the he's one of the um george i think he's one of george ryle's uh, uh students in like the archery learning center mm-hmm. and uh and it's like man i think he represented his coaches his club and everyone really awesome so that's good i think good to hear yeah for the sport absolutely and um but uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool shooting with those guys, um, and and then um, yeah, just you you learn a lot. And um, I think next time, I think there needs to be at least a good four to six weeks of preparation for this event. Mm-hmm. One thing that you and I talked about too that I was probably on the, on the last day is uh we had talked later or earlier in the week about like trusting your shot and making some changes when you need to like it's not always going to work out the same like if you're hitting the bottom of the dot over and over again but you're holding there like, well, give us some clicks like it doesn't score because it goes where you aim like it scores because it hits the dot all right and so on the last day i feel like you made an adjustment and it went better for you and i was pretty proud of you for doing that like Sometimes yeah, you have so to make those adjustments and you'd have to do it now. You can't wait 10, 12 targets in cuz you know the day's half over. Yeah, explain explain like exactly what that is cuz like I know or explain like what that was like for you, like exactly like like how uh your aiming changes cuz you're you're of uh, when you go from shooting the field dot to now having to shoot a smaller dot. Like Yeah. Like, so on the animal round, we're talking the, the transition from going from uh, the field and hunter round to the animal round. Yeah, so the field and hunter round, um, the dots are bigger because there's a, a six and a five. Um, and it's a circular and or target. So you, it's kind of you aim middle. It's easy. It's, it's relaxing on your, your brain, in my opinion. And you can just kind of hover around that area and it's good. On the animal round, for the target distance, your dot size is the size of the X-ring. So it, it's a, a lot smaller um, of an aiming reference and there's nothing around it. You just have a, a scoring ring around it, which isn't even, it's not uniform, it's a kill ring. Um, and so aiming, having to aim on that tiny little dot versus aiming kind of in the middle of a bigger dot is a big difference. And you need to know that it's gonna hit that dot, not above it, below it. You, you know, you need to hit it or else you're down a point right there. And for me, on the first, I was having some shoulder issues um, on our practice target. And I knew immediately, I was like, well, my hinge isn't going to work today. Like, I can't, I'm not strong enough to just pull through the shot the way I want to right now. And I, I tried it for two targets before I, I pulled my button out. And I don't punch. I'm not a puncher. But for whatever reason, when I feel like that, I can execute a little bit better with the with the button and I was mm-hmm. able to aim in the middle the entire time but that's a scary thing like you, you don't want to be swapping releases in the middle of the day and I don't really recommend it but on a day like that where I mean it's the last scoring day for me and the there was a kind of a battle between me and the fourth place person we were close enough to where neither one of us could slack off mm-hmm. if we wanted to get that third place spot and I couldn't just relax and shoot relaxed shots and not care if I hit or not I had to hit every dot that I could so I made that decision and went with it stuck with it the rest of the day and it worked out had I not I don't think I would have finished where I was I think it would have been a struggle um and I probably wouldn't have ended up on the podium so yeah yeah you did yeah you did you you made a lot of good decisions um I think throughout that whole weekend and and then um and uh like when we had that conversation about like making those changes, like I, uh, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like, just let the shot happen. 
um, like the trouble that I ran into was um, I've been used, I was shooting um, a hoop or, you know, a circle or like, or, uh, or a reticle really is like, I think the right definition for a circle. Yeah. Um, and so on, on the, the field and hunter rounds, they were perfect. Cause then it just, like you said, it just sort of sat there and it just sort mm-hmm. of, you know, it was able to aim really well, but I wasn't really able to aim middle, middle which yeah. was a problem there, but, um, but yeah, like hitting the dot wasn't a problem. Um, just getting the X count up was a problem. Um, but then on the animal round, it was like, you have this little tiny dot in this big circle. And then it's like, I think like your brain wants to have one of the lines touch something like there needs to be like some kind of contact somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like it was like hitting the six o'clock. So like, the little dot would stop when in the top of the circle. And then if I try to keep it in the middle, middle, I would fight it, but it would hold the steadiest if like it was in the six o'clock position. So I was adding like pretty much about like a half a yard almost to like every target. And that's good. And it was, and it was changes you needed to make. Yeah. And then it was hitting and then it was weird. Cause then like on the, on the, um, like somewhere like about halfway through the course, like, I had like a, a couple shots like start to go high and, but I, for whatever reason I was holding better where mm-hmm. like now the circle was in the middle or the dot was in the middle of the reticle and I'm like, Oh, now it's like, now it's behaving itself. And so then I had to like redo the, the math in my head Yeah, take <laughs> and off shoot, the shoot it almost straight up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm proud of you for figuring that out and making the changes. That's well, yeah, cause like on the first day. Because like, like Dave, w- told you, he says, hey, well, like Dave had always play. told us in the past, like, um, when when he did a he did a seminar in Pacifica, um, all those years ago, and he was like, we're talking about Dave Cousins. He was like, you need to figure out what happened in one shot. He's like, mm-hmm. that's what a that's what makes a perf- uh, like, that's what makes a professional is a professional will make one shot, and if it didn't go according to plan or something wasn't right, a professional will know exactly what it was, exactly what it is and make that change, you know, like no, like, and, and I'll be honest, I'm not there yet. I am not. And it's something I need to work on. I think like it takes me two or three shots to figure out what's going on. And unfortunately those two to three shots is, losing points yep Um, it's hard too i mean sometimes you just don't trust i mean you have to have confidence and trust in yourself too that you're making that strong shot and that that's the way it's gonna go and not like oh that was me like i was lazy i did this i will just try it again it's like well if that's the way your day's gonna go make a change but it's also it's it's also like kind of like learning to trust your your gut too like so when even even in, in that one one shot like I think we know what we did wrong or what needed to be changed or like if the peep moved or something changes, like, but then it's also like mate, like trusting and making a decision to, um, to like go ahead and make that change. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's like that, like, you know, um, when they say like Einstein's uh, definition of insanity is like doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And yeah. I, I think we, I think we do that like all the time in archery. Oh my gosh, we do every day but one 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 thing that's interesting is like because i you know we i hear like a lot of people would walk up to like to me or just in general like we're talking and everyone was like everyone's explaining their day and everyone was explaining like how terrible it was and it's like i feel like i probably had the worst day out of anybody (laughs) and (laughs) and i just kept my mouth shut i was like no everything's good i was like just trying to smile and try to like keep it positive um, yeah, but like people were like breaking down, like they were like, yeah, I was making all these shots and I had no idea what was going wrong. Like I had no idea. Like there's no reason why that arrow went where it went. And I was like, there's a reason you just need to figure out what it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just knowledge of your equipment, knowledge yeah. of what you're doing. I mean, it's huge. It can help you out. I talked to one of the amateur girls and she's like, yeah, I'm just not like, I need to figure out that. I need more knowledge of my equipment and how it works. Yeah. I was talking to her about some of my issues. She's like, I think the same thing happened to me, but I didn't know what it was. Right. 
Well, you you did something that was really interesting because like, or what I think is really smart because this is like something that we do in the bow shop. Like, like we keep we know we you know we tell the customer like what their what their holding weight is, what their weight is when they leave the store, so they know if something changes down the road. You know if they're experiencing mm-hmm. issues. But you traveled with your scale, so you would you would check your your holding weight and your weight <laughs> in the hotel room, yep. and then you would also. Um, like you had a machining ruler and I had forgotten that like this part and I had to go like dig it up in my notes. But like when we (laughs) took that Dave Cousins seminar, he was like, there's like three tools that you really need to have with you. And like one of them was like a machining ruler, one of those Easton like, um, uh, bow squares and like a scale. And then he's like, between those three items, he's like, you have, he's like, you can do a world-class setup without all the fancy stuff. Yeah. And that little steel rule is so key. I think I've got about five of them just laying around the house because I just don't ever want to not have one. So explain, like, tell everybody, like, how you checked your, you know, you checked your timing, but also know if, like, your string is stretched without the, without having a drawboard and without having to, um, uh, like, those particular tools at your disposal. Like, how are you able to determine that? Um, so it was right uh, and because it, yeah, it was so very I, this is scientific like this is data like you had your notes like you knew exactly what it what yeah. what had happened so i i mean especially i've noticed with the, the sdx cam I mean, you can change what i love about hoy is you can change the way a cam feels just base it on your you know your own personal preference like by over rotating or under rotating the cam and i finally found where i really like mine Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I did once I figured out the timing, how like where everything felt good, I measured from the string to like the little lobe on the can, like the, when it curls around, like on the inside. A, a, um, a that point distance. that would remain static, right? Basically. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of, yeah, I just measured that distance between the string and the can on both sides and just make note like okay this is where i like it they're not going to be the same necessarily some cams might be i don't know just depending on your personal preference but i know where i like mine and Mm -hmm. so after the first day or second day i guess um, something didn't feel quite right but i was tired i didn't want to mess with it then on the third day i got my ruler out and i was like it feels long like i don't you know and it's long days like sometimes that you're just fatigued and things just don't feel the same but i measured it and it wasn't right it was off but i like i need to make a change i mean the animal round was a, a big day so knowing that it was off and how far it was off in the direction it was off i knew that my string stretched a tiny tiny bit yeah and it was just not feeling right and so did a quick little adjustment to my draw length in the parking lot mm-hmm. and use that first practice target is like, oh, did it change the marks at all? And it didn't. So it made it all good. And just knowing, and it brought it right back to my original measurements. And I had confidence the rest of the day knowing that that was the right decision. And seeing how you did that was like super fascinating. Yeah. Um, which is top yeah. secret. Sorry, we can't share with you that <laughs> this is, this is a, this is a trademark thing what heather did and i'm like my mind is blown but like i was like yes <laughs> i was like that is so oh, cool there's gonna be so many questions now oh yeah and you know what i was sworn to secrecy i can't say nothing so <laughs> um but man that was pretty cool i was like i didn't know yeah, you could do that those sin impresses are also something that i carry with like i literally have it in my stool like i have it with me everywhere I yeah go. and those things if you're looking for something to add to your like you're like on the go bow stuff yeah travel package like you need one of those i mean they're just amazing i have one and you know what it's kind of like the one that i have is kind of like a gun that's unloaded inside a safe inside a safe uh it doesn't do me any good (laughs) if it's not with me so i'm like okay i'm i'm currently working on like um on my uh on uh my heather gore um starter pack so it's, it'll be like, 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 and that, I'm stealing that from Wendell because Wendell used to do like the, like the little fanboy stuff. Like, I don't know if you remember the AB starter pack. 
It was he put a kit together. It was at the time it was it was uh, keto jerky like like beef jerky that was like keto friendly oh. without any sugar in it. Um, a Matthew shirt and a set of uh, Under Armour running shoes <laughs> 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 and like Kuyu shorts. That was like the AV starter oh. pack. Um, oh, that's funny. And then, uh, but yeah, like like the, the, there was like some things that you carry with you that make sense that aren't like a burden to really have with you like if done properly and like well organized um so i'm gonna start putting my i'm gonna start putting my kit together like yeah i need to start marketing my my to-go kit yeah i'm telling you there's there's a demand for it it's just stuff that gets overlooked and one of the things that i appreciate um and and like i you know should have done a better job of that is like actually just keeping keeping that kind of records of like like measuring static points like okay so yeah we don't have a draw board but how do you you know know if something has changed and like just having all that information and and um being able to make those changes you know if if it happens yeah it's super important yeah it took me a long time to figure out too i mean out of pure laziness i wouldn't measure stuff and i would just be like it feels good now bye and it would usually bite me in the butt later on so, um, but yeah, so, um, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. so I'm going to say one last thing. I forgot yeah. when we were talking about the Italy thing. I'm sure. I mean, a lot of listeners are down in the, in the Bay area or, or anything else, but there's a local, our grass Valley brewery is going to help me put in a little fundraiser for the two world teams I made this year. Oh, nice. Um, on the 13th, which happens to be our, our county fair week. Uh, we're going to do a cornhole tournament at the brewery, and we're going to donate a bunch of the money raised there. Okay, so this travel, is, so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this down here. So this is, um, you said this is um, on the August 13th? Yep, it's a Saturday. Uh-huh. And uh, it's going to be at Grass Valley Brewing Company in Grass Valley. Okay. And we're going to do a cornhole tournament, so there's going to be pre-sign-ups hopefully starting today i know everything's kind of last minute but um so it's going to be just kind of an all-day event cornhole tournament and people can just come hang out have some good beers from the local brewery and there's food um there's gonna be some raffle prizes a couple friends of mine and my mom have been helping out getting some raffle gifts together or prizes together and it'll be kind of cool if anybody's around or happens to want to come out during the week of our fair which is a cool cool fair um, it'd be awesome to have everybody there. Nice. But it is a little dry, so I understand if you don't. No. Um, yeah, send me, send me more of that information, and let's get it out there on social media. Um, I will. I've just been waiting for us to get all of our stuff on our end done. It's, it's yeah. been a kind of a crazy week trying to get it all done. So after Italy, what's uh, are you doing um, the Dakota Classic and the um, uh, outdoor um, – Target Championship in Yankton? No, um, that'll be that's literally the the week before I have to go to Italy, and I just don't have for one enough time or extra money to make that trip happen too. Yeah, um, I'd love to, but it's just not not in my game plan. Yeah, flights are so expensive right now alone, and I just I need to spend time judging distance, not shooting at a target at 50, 60 yards. Yeah, right. I feel it. And then after that, it's pretty much uh, there's really nothing left for us in California, other than the state 900, maybe. Maybe yeah, state 900 in September. Um, Then you'll have like the turkey shoots and the ham shoots and things throughout the winter. Just those fun novelty type shoots. Yeah. Um, I've got the world field in October also, Um, and that page is on that team with me. And Cassidy Cox is the other girl. Oh, nice. So we'll still, we get to go back to Yankton again. Oh, they're going to have it here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, we're hosting the field. The awesome. World field, so. Well, we'll have you back on before then, and we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then indoor. Like, there's our year. Like, it flew by this year. It yeah. flew by so fast. Well, um, right back to Yankton for some indoor, too. Yeah, well, congratulations <laughs> on your podium. Thank uh, you. And um, it was a pleasure uh, hanging out with you this, this weekend. And, um, I said, I learned a lot and I had a good time. 
We ate some good food. Yeah, I was actually. Uh, it's nice. I. It's nice that you like good food because, uh, like, and that you're not afraid of trying like, uh, like different stuff. Yeah, that was that was key. Yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I, I think. Uh, I think. Uh, I, I think I showed you the picture of old Jim when we took him to go eat Vietnamese pho. <laughs> <laughs> Wendell, I think Wendell has that as a screensaver on his Not phone. Not pumped. <laughs> it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> All right. Oh. Well, I'll let you go. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Rudy. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. That will conclude this evening's entertainment.